0: to worship together with you and and to have you here. And again, if you're a guest with us, uh, it's a real treat and honor to have you here. I I want you to think as we kind of begin to dive into the series, we're gonna unpack a little bit about where we're going and then look specifically at one of these keys tonight. Uh, But I want you to kind of get in the frame of reference of think about the instructions that you have received. How many of you have parents that should be all of you. Okay, so just reminding you. Um, You've received instructions in the past, haven't you? How many of you, uh, you have children, so you've given them. Um, How many of you, you have bosses that you report to, Things, uh, people that are supervisors above you, and you've been given instructions about things, about how to do things, about the policies and procedures that happen in your workplace, or maybe you have a coach that gives instruction into your life, or you have a teacher that gives instructions into your life. How many of you have been to a new restaurant, and when you walk in, you look for the instructions, not the menu, the instructions, meaning, where do I order? Have you ever found yourself doing that? Walking in, and like, okay, I know this place has food because I can smell it, but I'm not quite sure where to go to begin to get this process moving. And so you look for the instructions in that. Maybe uh, like me this week and uh, Michelle was at the office and, and we, we figured out how to put the toner in the printer. Never done that. Nailed it, first try. So we were very excited about that. We just followed the five pictures and, and we nailed it and we got that. I mean, McDonald's is pretty simple too. You just kind of walk up, look at the picture and go, Grr! You just grunt and you're like, I want that. Um, and so things are sometimes simple because they're pictures. Sometimes they're instructions that are given verbally, but we think about all the instructions as a parent or an uncle or uh, uh, an aunt, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, as an aunt, you're, you're kind of giving instructions to kids like maybe how to do laundry. Anyone ever taught your kid or your niece or nephew how to do laundry and they did it wrong because now you're teaching them the correct way? That we don't put all the colors with the whites because that doesn't ever work out really well. Maybe you've uh, begun to try to teach them how to make mac and cheese. And if you know my daughter Riley, you'll just have to ask her about the mac and cheese story because there's really three pictures, right, on a mac and cheese box. It seems pretty simple. We're gonna get it we're going to get it. Um, Maybe you've taught them how to clean the bathroom. That's really important, right? Amen. Amen. You got to teach your kids how to do that. You got to teach them maybe banking, how to figure out how to do the whole banking system and have a card, how to make a balanced budget and all this kind of stuff. Maybe how to even interact in friendships or relationships on the job. And how how do you work this out? How do you make wise decisions in life, that all of us have to get to a place where we're trying to instruct into our kids or we've had instructions given to us. And when we're instructing into our kids, what we're wanting is not just for them to have knowledge that sometime four or five, fast forward six, seven, eight years later that they go, oh, I remember my dad said that. Or I remember mom talking about that before I tuned her out. What we're wanting is for them to apply the instruction, right? To have application in their life, not just simply knowledge about something, but the ability to do something. And listen, in a lot of ways, the spiritual journey is very similar. God wants for his kids, not just to know about things, but to be able to apply things into their life, because it will lead to the best possible way to live. And so tonight, in this series, we're gonna look at five key things that will help grow your faith. Like, imagine with me, if you had a rock solid confidence in who God is. Now, so you may be here and you're going, I, I don't buy this whole God thing. And I'm kinda of just checking it out and I'm searching and I've got my questions and I've got a lot of doubts. And, and I think that's awesome that you're here. In fact, we wanna be a church that's not just for the convinced but for people who are on a search and people who are looking because I believe God honors that search. I believe he wants to meet people in the midst of that search. That's the God we follow. But imagine with me, if, if you came to a place in life where you really had rock solid confidence, a, a solid faith in God, that God was not only with you, but he was for you, and he was for your best. And not only was he a God who could run a universe, but he was a personal God, like he actually knew your name, that he heard your prayers, that he was involved and active in your life, that when challenges were coming, you were never facing those alone that when the the good times were unfolding that he was right there in the midst of it that no matter what you faced you have this confidence that god is god and he will work things out and it may not work out the way that i necessarily want it to work out it may not work out necessarily the way that other people see it gonna work out but i just trust god that he's gonna work this out and that he's with me and he's for me imagine living that way do you think it might change how you navigate life Do you think it might have an impact on how you now live and how you interact and how you react to situations? Do you think that would matter if that could really be? See, the truth is, God wants that kind of faith for you, for me. I'll be really honest. It's not easy. I'll be really honest. Struggled with it the last two weeks. It's tough. It's tough at times. But in those moments of struggle, it's God saying, I've got you. And I want to build your faith. God wants to grow your faith more than anything else. And sometimes it'll take stretching scenarios to get you to grow. Sometimes it'll be simple little nudges that'll get you to grow. The reality is we're all in a faith continuum, if you will. That this faith continuum that goes from kind of no faith, zero faith, I don't really have faith in God, I'm curious about Him, but I really don't know, all the way to this idea, okay, i got a little bit of faith, I've come to put my faith in Jesus and and in what He's done, His life, His death, His resurrection, that it, it made a way for me to have life with God, all the way to this incredible great confidence that you can have as a person of faith. And every single one of us in this room is somewhere along those lines in that continuum. And in different seasons of life, it'll fluctuate at times. But the invitation from God is, he wants to grow your faith. And so we want to spend the next five weeks, uh, Kimberly's going to teach a couple of these, Brian's got one, I'll do another one. And we're kind of looking at this idea, or what are some of these things that if you stripped away kind of all the, the structure and the systems and all the kind of stuff, if you just look at the scripture and say, what are those things, what are those scenarios where people grow in their faith where they take, journey, and they take a journey and they go to deeper levels of that. What does that begin to look like? And tonight we want to look at this idea that it's practical biblical teaching that will grow your faith. That understanding what's in the Bible, not just understanding about it, but understanding it, understanding the one who wrote it, relating with the one who orchestrated its coming about and it's protected and preserved it, as you relate with God, as you come to begin to apply the truths that are in there, it will grow and deepen the roots of your faith and strengthen the, the faith journey that you're on. And it's important that we do that. And so tonight I wanna to look at this idea of what is, how does that begin to take shape and what does that begin to look like? See, throughout scripture what you begin to see is that Jesus cares about people's faith going deeper. And deeper doesn't just necessarily mean, okay, I have more knowledge. But deeper becomes this, where God wants to have this ever-expanding faith develop in you, that you have an ever-expanding confidence in who God is. That the trust relationship that was broken in the garden, when God created everything perfectly and sent to humanity, said to Adam and Eve, look, there's one tree that you're not to eat from. And then all of a sudden, because we have dominion and because we have the ability to choose, we make a decision to say, God, I feel like you're holding something out. I feel like you've got something better that I think I want, and so I'm going to choose my way. And all of a sudden, sin enters this picture, and this trust relationship is broken and shattered and fractured, and we still face the consequences of it today. And humanity's fracturedness and brokenness. And what God has wanted all along, he didn't say in that moment, I give up. What he said is I'm gonna start a plan. And his plan took full shape in Jesus Christ and him coming to live and to die as a sacrifice for your sins and mine and a resurrection that proves that God made it right again for those who will now live by faith, who will grow in their faith. And his invitation is simply for us to, to grow a greater confidence and a restored trust with him. God, I'm trusting you. Even when it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust the way that you've kinda laid it out. I'm gonna trust the way that you're kinda pulling things. And I know there's other voices that are speaking into this, but I'm gonna trust your voice most. That's the challenge. That's the invitation. That's the journey, which doesn't mean it's always simple. Doesn't mean it's always always easy. But here's what we know. This book is way more than a book. These scriptures have been protected and preserved, crafted that we might know about God. In fact, I want to look at kind of three different areas of the scriptures tonight. One is this informational side of truth in the scriptures, that there is information for us to know about, that we would know about the story of God and his, the long links he would go for us to know about him. For the story to be written, you you realize the scriptures are not just instruction. It's not an instructional manual like you have in your car. You don't look to, okay, 4B, 3D, uh, all this, and find different things to get to the air conditioning. It's stories. It's stories of God interacting with people. It's the story of God creating, the story of the brokenness that happens in the story, the restoration of God trying to restore all things back to the way it is, and and that one day he will make it all right and that we find this in the life of Jesus. And so much of, we have poetry in here. We have the story and history accounts. We have the narrative accounts of Jesus's life. There's so many different genres of writing in here. So many different authors over so many different generations and so many different continents. And yet one story is preserved. One story from beginning to end has this incredible flow In fact, here's what the writer of Hebrews says, that the word of God is alive and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, that these words are not just words on a page, that as you trust in God and as you look to him and read about him, that this begins to change your life. And it's why sometimes maybe when you've been having a quiet time or somewhere where you hear someone say this verse or they tweet out a verse or you read it and isn't there something about it that just kind of comes alive in you, that you get caught up in it and it captures your heart and it captures your soul and it's like you're taken away a little bit and you're encouraged deep within that it's not just a, a fluffy saying, it's not just something that was written about and said, okay, here's some words on a page, that there's something so much deeper and so much more about this. It's so that we would know about God. We have to know about God. Otherwise, we kind of push in our own pictures of what God would be like, but the scriptures have been given that we might know about God, we might understand him. But it's not just that we would know about God, That the Bible goes on and it has this incredible relational context to it. That there's a relational side of truth in the scriptures. That we might know God, not just simply know about him. See, how many of you know about a famous celebrity? Maybe you know a famous celebrity, and there's a drastic difference, right? I know a lot about sports heroes, but I don't know some of them. And so in our cultural context, where Facebook and social media and everything, we can know a lot about people, but it doesn't mean we know those people, right? Can you sense the difference? That there's a great difference between knowing about people and statistics and stats and stories and illustrations, and and those are good things, but it's a different thing to really know someone and to be known by someone, to be able to share conversations to cry tears with one another, to to have great joys with one another, to have shared experiences. Those are the people that you actually know on a deeper level. I love what Ephesians um, chapter 1 says this, verse 17. This has kind of been a life verse for me. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know more about God. Is that what it says? know, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know him better. One of the calls God has put in my life is I want to help people know God better, not just know more about him, not just have this knowledge built up and this information that they can have, and those are good things and they're necessary things, but I want people to know God. I want people to understand and be able to relate to God and understand how he relates to us and to help people be captured by that and the emotional relational side of that to help them get to a place where they can go deeper with this. So there's an information side of the scriptures that we might know about God. There's a relational side of the scriptures that we might know God better and relate to him and him relate to us, us with him. And there's also this application side of the scriptures that we might do something with what we now know and that what we've come to know, that it's not just compiling stuff and having this great catalog or this great closet full of information, but that it would begin to apply and challenge and move us in our lives. It's interesting, you look at Jesus in many of his teachings, he often taught with stories, parables. Often, maybe his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, you could read it later this week, a lot of scholars believe that there's a bunch of little chunked up sermons together, but the reality is when you begin to understand it, I looked at theologian Dallas Willard kind of unpacks it as one giant sermon that he would have given, one traveling sermon he would have given several times as he traveled about as a, a preaching rabbi, as he would go to different synagogues, as he would meet people on the hillside, as he would teach, he would go through this. And yes, there's little sub points of this, but in reality, he's driving something somewhere as he begins teaching people about God, and beginning to help people understand what life with God would look like. And in Matthew chapter seven, here's what we read. As Jesus unpacks this story, you may remember this story. It it may jog your memory. Here's what he says in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and he puts them into practice. So this long sermon that he's just gone through. If you hear these words and put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains came, the storms rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish one who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with this great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. There was something about the way Jesus taught that began to put handles for things for people, that they began to understand what does this begin to look like? And at the end of this long sermon, Jesus simply says, look, if you hear these words of mine and you apply them to your life, you're like this wise builder. But if you hear these words and you don't apply them, you don't put them into motion into your life, you're, you're like this foolish builder. What's interesting, in 2010, uh, the Institute for Business and, uh, and Home Safety in Richmond, South Carolina, built two identical homes inside a kind of a 40 million uh, laboratory, $40 million laboratory, 1,300 square foot homes, one of them built conventionally, and one built with straps that went from all the way from the foundation all the way up to the rooftop. Different, a different way of constructing things. And they turned on these giant fans that went up to 110 miles an hour to kinda reenact a, a kinda grade three hurricane. And so after about, they would stop it at 10 minutes. They would run these fans for 10 minutes. And after the 10 minutes, both houses still stood. They were fine. They did another 10 minutes. Both houses still fine. And then they did it for about 20 minutes and about halfway through the conventional home began to crack and fell with this incredible crash. The other one that had the the straps put all throughout it in the foundation all the way up to the roof had a little bit of cosmetic damage done to it. And they interviewed the guy afterwards. And this is what Tim, the engineer who worked and oversaw this whole project, here's what he kind of summed it all up with these words. He said, well, the bottom line is I guess you have to ask yourself which home you'd rather be living in. Makes sense, Tim. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. Do you want to build your home, your spiritual home, your house, your life, on just the things that you figure out, on just the things that you come to know? Or do you want to trust in the master builder who has some wisdom to say about how to navigate life? Wasn't it Jesus who said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full? Jesus never said, I've come that you may have a mediocre life, that you'll barely get out of bed in the morning. You, Jesus never said that. In fact, if you look at his life, he never lived that way. People marvel at how he lived, how he responded in situations that would have drove people crazy, and yet he responds with this grace and truth that's amazing. See, Jesus taught in such a way that if people would live out in application, it would begin to change and radically alter their life. Uh, One other scripture to look at. Second Timothy, the apostle Paul is writing the very last letter he's gonna write to his protege, to Timothy, and he's writing these words. And he says these things. He says, all scripture, Timothy, is God breathed. That in Greek, it's, it's going back to the very way that God breathed life. Into Adam, breathe life into humanity. And it came to be. He's saying scripture is God breathed. It came to be. And it's useful for teaching. And then he has these two words that are put together rebuking and correcting. And then he has training in righteousness. This teaching, this word in Greek, is literally this idea that we might know, that we might know about what we're supposed to do, that we might come to have some knowledge, some information about it. This correcting and rebuking is this idea of, of challenging and, and channeling, changing behavior, that it might modify how we now live because it's corrective in a good and positive way, that it moves us to something better than maybe something we've detoured into. And this training in righteousness is this idea of padilla. In Greek, it's literally this idea of parenting, that you might be parented up in righteousness, that you would... Be known by the one who created you, who wants to parent you up in a way that's for your best. That's why, friends, I think sometimes uh, when you're hearing different people speak and they're teaching the scriptures or you're reading a book and it's unpacking some scriptures and it's why when you go through it and it captures your heart, it's moving you to grow in your faith. It's why we teach from the Bible here. It's why we stand up here every single week we wanna point people to this. We wanna point people to the God who created this, the God who speaks to us, who it's alive and active in your life. We wanna point people to the Jesus this, this talks about because he alone is the one who has the words of life that you might have life to the full. That as we begin to understand, and it's not always comfortable. The scripture is not always comfortable, right? There are challenging things that it pulls us to. You know what that's like? Parenting. There's some challenging things that we have to say to kids as our children. There's some challenging things that you've had spoken into your life, and it's for your best. You may not like it in the moment, but it's for your betterment. It's this parenting up in righteousness, this understanding to come to be. So what would it look like to begin to aim your life, to say, I wanna have solid, biblical, practical teaching, not just information, that's important. I need to know about God. Not just relational truth, that I would just come to know God on a deeper level, that's also true. But that I would begin to to get my mind around this application. What am I gonna now do with what I know? That it would take me somewhere. It would begin to play out in my life and begin to have uh, ramifications on how I live and how I make decisions and how I choose to move forward and what I say yes to and what I say no to that it begins to impact my decision making because I'm beginning to apply God's word. I'm beginning to put it into motion, begin to see. This is what Jesus said. Look, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, you are like the wise builder. That's what he's saying. Jesus is driving home with this sermon. Here's the point. Everything I'm talking about, everything that these scriptures are for is to get you to a place that it begins to play out in your life. His brother James, a while later, would write, don't just be hearers of the word. What? Be doers of the word. It's not just enough to know about a bunch of things. One of the things that we invite you to here is, again, we, we want to teach the scripture here. We wanna teach it in a way that's practical, gives you handles to life and how this begins to apply to life and how does it begin to impact how I now live. We wanna teach that way. You probably listen to some favorite podcast or some other people that you love or people, books that you read uh, that are spiritually minded, written by good Christian men and women who are speaking truth into your life. That's important. Do that. That's why we gather in e-groups to say, hey, we're gonna study the scripture together and we're gonna challenge one another, not with our opinions, we can have those, but we're gonna look at theology and look at what God has to say about life and how that might play out in your life and how it might see it from mine. And we're gonna help sharpen one another and make each other better through what God wants to do through his alive and active word. That's one of the encouragements I wanna give you. You could do that on your own. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, if you've never thought about doing like a devotion on your own, I'm gonna tell you, you've gotta do that. Not because I said so, But because you want to grow in your faith because god wants you to grow in your faith he wants to grow a greater confidence in him and so an opportunity i think of you version bible app everybody here's got a phone well you got a free bible on it and you got a free bible reading plan thousands of them that have been from everything from stages in life stuff to topics and themes that are going on What would it mean for you to say, hey, I'm gonna set aside a few minutes every week or a few minutes every day just to dive into what God's word has to say for me. And just before you do, just ask God to meet you there. If these words are alive and active, then they're meant to meet you there. They're meant to spur you forward and to encourage you in your heart. Maybe I'll close with this. How many of you have ever painted a room in your house, apartment, maybe we weren't supposed to, but uh, painted a room, right? Here's the deal about paint. I can get all the paint I want and I can set it in the room. I can get all the brushes and the stir sticks and the drop cloths and get all that stuff, right? And have the best laid plans for this room to be transformed, right? Isn't that exciting? How many of you like to paint? How many of you dread painting? Okay, this illustration is for the other ones. Um, You love to paint, and you can't wait for the transformation to happen. And you get everything set up, and it's there, and you're ready. And then you walk out of the room, and you never open the can of paint. And you got all the supplies in the world, but nothing's going to change. Why? Because unapplied paint does no one any good at all. It's just paint in a can. Listen. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do anyone any good. Sure, you may know about it and your mom taught you how to do banking. And when you're 25 and you woke up and you've got all the debt in the world, you've never figured it out, you go, oh, I remember when my mom said that. But you haven't applied a thing. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It only happens, the transformation happens in the application. And for your life to transform, friends, it's about applying the truth of the scriptures that Jesus has laid out, that's been brought right to us, protected and preserved and provided in a way that we might know about God, that we might know God better, and that we might apply his truth to our life so that our lives become transformed because we're beginning to do something with what we now know. Practical biblical teaching matters and it will help grow your faith. That's one of the things we love and value highly around here. We wanna help challenge and grow people's faith by applying these scriptures and these truths from the Bible into your life in practical and tangible ways that you can help one another and sharpen one another in e-groups and in conversations to help each other grow. Because all of us, and what I want for you the most, is that a year, two, three years from now, you're at a, a more confident place in your faith with God than you are even right now. I want that for you. I want that for each one of us to grow in that journey. And so I'd love to pray to that end. And we're gonna take some space and some time uh, to observe communion as a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to participate in that. We've got communion tables down front and here in the side in the middle. Um, and we're going to have time to worship together. I'll close this in just a couple things. We'll send one closing song as we head out tonight. But I want to invite you to wrestle a little bit this week. How am I doing? At kind of immersing myself in, in biblical practical teaching. You know, if I only come to church once every six weeks, then am I doing anything else to help supplement this? Have I cracked open the Bible outside of church? Have I made this a part of my life? Have, have, have I been in conversations with other Christians and other people who are spiritually maybe a little bit further down the road who can pour into me and they're speaking Scripture into my life? Have I texted anyone? Have they texted me Scriptures? Have I, have I immersed myself in it? Because if you just have it, you can have all the tools you want, but if you're not applying it, well, unapplied truth is kind of like unapplied pain. It's not gonna transform and change. And so the invitation is lean in and let God begin to apply and you begin to, to work with him in the Holy Spirit to say, God, empower me to help live out the things that I know, that I might be a person who's applying your truth to my life and it would grow and stir my faith. And so Father, that's what I pray for tonight. As we move into a time of communion and understanding, remembering the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. He matters. God, you've orchestrated the writing inspired the writing of your scriptures, preserved and protected it from being morphed and changed, preserved in a way that we might know reality of who you are, and we might know about you. Also, you've made it alive and active so that we might know you better, know your character, your heart, how your mind works, and what values you have, what priorities matter to you how much you love us, how much you care about us, how much you value us enough to send your son to the cross to rescue us. We remember that. And every time we take communion, it's not just an act of what something we do or emotion we go through. We remember the intentionality of Jesus saying, you're loved, and I've come to prove it. May that never get old. Jesus, as we read your scriptures, whether it's alone in our own time with you, whether it's with friends in an e-group, or whether it's one-on-one over coffee, encouraging one another in conversations we have, whether it's here in your church, helping people understand you and know you better, May we then take what we now know and do something with it. That we may not be just hearers of the word, but doers. And as we practice that, as we live this out, may you grow our faith to have a greater, ever-expanding confidence and trust in you. We love you, Jesus. May all the praise and glory be to you. And may you stir each one of us with one action step this week. Something we can do to apply your word to our lives. And give us the courage and the power to take it. We ask that. Jesus precious name.